0: Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. First sermon of the year. Um, And I want to remind us of what we've been thinking singing about about Jesus Christ. So turn with me to Colossians chapter 2 and we are going to be reading from verse 6 to verse 10. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 to verse 10. Amen or have mercy. Amen? Amen. All right. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. who is the head of all rule and authority. Lord, please do speak to us this morning. Will your word really penetrate our hearts? And would you turn our hearts and our affections and our thoughts to Christ, Lord? Would you help me? Would you strengthen me? But may you and your word alone speak this morning. I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So just for a little bit of context, the letter of the Colossians was written from Paul to um, a church in Colossae who was planted by a guy named Epaphras who had heard Paul, heard the gospel, went back to Colossae and, and planted a church. But now, as often happens, there was some heretic teachings coming up. And now, um, Epaphras had gone back to Paul to give him report. This is what's happening. These are the teachings that are coming up. And so, Paul starts addressing. Now, Colossae was a church um, that... Reflected a lot of what the city looked like, which had a number of Jewish folk, but also a lot of Greeks and Gentiles. Um, so on the one side, there were people in the church that seemed to emphasize the law a lot and wanted to gear the church in that direction. And we see this if you look uh, on the next page of your Bible in verse Verse 16. Uh, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. So, there was a. Paul is addressing there this group of, of Jewish uh, emphasis that there are, are imposing on Gentiles. Okay, you must follow this feast, you must, you must do all of these things um, of the Mosaic law. But on the other hand, there were these Gentiles. That come from pagan background who were used to many gods and were kind of saying, "Well, Jesus is just one more. Jesus is just one more and there were a couple of hints of what this heretic teachings, even among scholars there is not really consensus about the specific uh, nature some believe it could it was Gnosticism, which taught that the body is bad and the spirit is good, um, and so that gave uh, rise to uh, they, they tended to deny the incarnation of Jesus because they say, "How can God take on flesh? Body is is bad," which gave uh, rise to another uh, heretic teaching called Docetism, which was. The teaching that Jesus only appeared to take on flesh. It seemed like he did, but he didn't really take on uh, full humanity. Um, There was also, uh, on the other hand, ascetism, which was um, no, uh, because of this dynamic of body. Uh, evil spirit, good. The the um, the ascetic teaching taught that we can have no any bodily pre- pleasure at all. And there was also there seems to have been a lot of syncretism, a lot of a mishmash of pagan. And now we have Christ here, and and there's there is a reason to believe that there was. Some person, uh, uh, one figure that was like a a shaman, or I don't know, in our context, we'll call them a sangoma or something like that, that was trying to add some different teachings. We see this hinted at in verse 18 uh, of chapter 2. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. So some scholars believe that that phrase, his sensuous mind, was pointing to a specific figure that was trying to take the people away, saying that he was more illuminated. And so there were all these different teachings coming up. And in that society, there was also a lot of fear to evil spirits. And so, how does Paul address some of these concerns? He highlights the supremacy of Christ above everything and every authority. And as I was reading the Book of Colossians again, it's it's just it paints Christ as he's amazing; he's superior over everything. Even if you read chapter 1. And so this is what I hope that we get from this morning. That Christ is supreme. That Christ is above everything. That Christ is above every single authority. Every fear. Christ is supreme overall. So we, we start But our first point, as then, so now. Look there in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, for those of you that are married, you would remember when the first feelings started to happen between you and your spouse. when Before dating, you know, and you... You can get all those butterflies. I remember the one time, um, you know, before we dated, and this is, I guess, is a confession. You know, I, I remember holding Melissa's hands and just feeling like, ooh, so <laughs> wow, this is happening, you know? Um, and uh, you, you remember when that first... Uh, those feelings of infatuation and, and love and you just don't want to you don't want to be apart you want to be um, with the other person all the time together um, I think Melissa's parents really got tired of me when we started dating because I would come for supper every day <laughs> um, I was also a college student too. Um, and and, but you, you remember these feelings. And, and sometimes in, in marriage counseling or uh, of a conflict, we remind of couples of, do you remember how you felt when you first started dating? And in a sense, Paul is saying here, do you remember when you first heard of Christ? Just as when you first heard, as then, so now. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as the Lord, so now, walk in Him. And there is two different ways that he's basically saying, go back to the familiar, Go back to that, that first instance. I don't know if you remember when you first met Christ. Now, we have different stories about conversion. Some of you just grew up in the church, and at some point, you realize, I am a sinner, and, and, and Christ has saved me. And, and there was not a very radical, but uh, there was a, a, a moment of, Yes, I belong to Christ. But maybe for some of you, you are really, you know, those radical stories that you're in the world and party hard. And then Christ came in and your affections for him just changed your heart. That you didn't want to do any of that stuff anymore. And you just wanted to know more about Jesus Christ. You wanted to read your Bible more. You wanted to pray more. You wanted to be close to God. Just as then, just as you look back to that, so now walk in him. And, and there is the two ways in, in, in which Paul is emphasizing here uh, about the manner, is he he qualifies as you receive Christ the Lord, some versions use as Lord. Don't is saying to the, the Colossians, don't now look at Christ as different, or just uh, in Gnosticism, Christ became to be just a, 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 a kind, of, kind of a dem, demi god with with a lot of illumination. Paul like, no, no, go back to how how were you taught about Christ. He was given to you as Lord. Don't 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 change the way of how you're seeing Christ. Is he's he's not a demi-god, he's not uh, just a, a moral teacher and and today we we need to be reminded of this that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is supreme. That we don't get to to define who he is. We don't get to change our vision of Christ as just as a moral teacher or just a good example of how to live our lives. No, He is Lord, and therefore we should submit to Him. So don't don't only don't serve to any new Christ that wasn't truly man and truly God. Go back to the Christ incarnate. Go back to Christ the Lord who who reigns supreme over all things. But secondly, he said, just as you received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in Him. Just as you trusted Him then, put your faith in Jesus now. Just as you realize, I can't do this life by myself. I cannot save myself. All my good deeds are worthless in front of the eyes of a holy God. I need a Savior. Just as you trusted Him then, walk in Him, trusting in Him. Live your Christian life trusting in Him just as you first trusted in Him. Sometimes we we live from mountaintops. You know what mountaintops is? You know, we we have highs. And I think that we should look for mountaintops. In other words, yes, we should search for that great experience where you truly encounter God and, and where where whether at home or at church you feel his presence and you are encouraged and you are in such a high but you can't live off mountaintops. tops. The Christian walk is of a daily <laughs> dying to self and trusting in Jesus. How how do you and I how do children grow? They just slowly. I, I you know now I look at Levi and he's big, but he was so small. But you, it's so gradual. You you don't really. Tangibly see it. You, you, you see the difference of height. But it is just a gradual growth. How do we grow? As we daily trust in His promises. As we daily read His word. As we daily pray. We grow in Him. Uh, Theologian Chris Davis says, I feel that if something spectacular was not transpiring, my faith was weakening. As a result, I missed most of what was going on in the valleys. Waited to get back to the mountain. See, when we go to the valleys, and we will go to the valleys, 2023 will have some valleys for for all of us. It is also there that you are growing. It is also there that you trust in His promises. That you hold on for dear life to His promises. Lord, this is what you have said. You said you're not going to leave me nor forsake me. Let me encounter your presence here with me in this valley. The problem is sometimes Christians, we understand that we need God for, for salvation. We understand we we need Him for our conversion. For, from, we need God to save us from eternal uh, damnation. But then we think, okay, the rest of my spiritual life, I'm going to do it on my own. I got this now. Thank you, Lord, for the push. But now, Andrew Murray says, There are earnest Christians who do not understand this. Or if they admit in theory, they fail to realize its application in practice. They are very zealous for a free gospel, with our first acceptance of Christ and justification by faith alone. But after this, they think everything depends on our diligence and faithfulness. While they may, while they firmly grasp the truth, the sinner shall be justified by faith. They have hardly found a place in their scheme for the larger truth that just shall live by faith. They have never understood what a perfect Savior Jesus is and how He will each day do for the sinner just as much as He did the first day when He came to Him. They know not that... That the life of grace is always and only a life of faith. And that in the relationship to Jesus, the one daily and unceasing duty of the disciple is to believe. So as you trusted Christ before for your salvation, trust Him for your plans this year. Trust Him for your finances trust him with the growth of your uh, raising your children Trusting in trust him for the improvement of your marriage trust him for in in a good work ethic trust him for a raise trust him in all areas of your life just as you trusted him then you felt helpless then trust him now That is how we walk in Him. And The words that he uses in verse seven, it's rooted. Past, uh, uh, it, it's in the past. We we have been rooted in Him, but now all the other ones are present participles built up in Him. In ours continues being built up, and being established in the faith, just as you were taught. Now there is a qualification that he adds. The end of verse 7. Abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in, in thanksgiving. You know this lesson I've actually learned truly in this past year. That we have to be more thankful. That we have to say... Thank you. Thank you f- to the people around us. Thank you for thank you to your wife. Thank you to your parents. Thank you to your children. Thankfulness forces us to look to God because all good gifts come from above. In in Second Timothy three one to two says, but understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, un- unappeasable, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not loving good. And this has been my prayer. Lord, I, I don't want to be characterized. By that, I don't want to be ungrateful. Um, I want to be grateful. We ought to abound in thanksgiving. And you know what I've noticed? The more we say thank you, the less we complain. <laughs> the more grateful we are, the less we complain. This is the story of the great uh, commentator Matthew Henry. And and I'm sure, as pastors, you make much use of his great work. Um, The great Bible commentator Matthew Henry once was robbed as he walked along a highway. Afterwards, he told his friends there were four things for which he gave thanks. First, he was grateful that he had never been robbed before. After many years of life, this was the first time he had been robbed. And for that, he was grateful. Secondly, he said, though they took all my money, I am glad they did not get very much. (laughs) That was something to be thankful for. Thirdly, he said, though they took my money, they did not take my life. And I am grateful for that. And then finally, he suggested... I am thankful that it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. May 2023 be a time for us to abound in thankfulness. That That we are constantly thanking God for what he has given to us, for what he has withheld from us. There's a quote that says if we knew all that God knows we would ask exactly for what he gives us. And Warren Wiersbe wrote that a thankful spirit is a mark of Christian maturity. So may 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 as we walk in him as, as we look his hand over our lives may our hearts abound in gratitude that we are overflowing with same things thirdly do not be distracted verse 8 see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ Verse 8 starts with C to it. You and I have a responsibility to guard our doctrine. You and I are responsible for, for what you are believing in. We hear things all the time. Especially in this day and age, there is like an overload of information. I I love listening to podcasts, but it's like there's so much great stuff, but there's not enough time. (laughs) But it also highlights that there is constant threat from the enemy to lead you astray. (laughs) This was where people coming out from inside the church that were spreading these things. We ought to be careful and guard our doctrine carefully. Seeing to it that we are not going away with philosophy and empty deceit. Which is actually have their origin in the demonic. This is the elemental spirits of the world. This is what Paul is referring to. The the demonic. Just this past week... I started reading a a very good book by... Well, reading, listening to a good book um, by Carl Truman called Strange New World. And it's really been enlightening. And he speaks about... He has the question, why has our society not just embraced things like gay marriage and transgenderism, but it's more and more demanding that we celebrate it as normal... And why is it unthinkable that two, three generations ago that would have been the case? You know, the older folk here, or the the mature folk here, <laughs> would would remember that you know gay marriage was looked at, uh, uh, with stigma, uh, and you probably didn't even know what transgenderism was. This is so recent. And and so he asks the the question is like how did we get here? And why how is it acceptable and encouraged and even celebrated now? How has culture done such a shift that where we find ourselves here where it will be unthinkable to accept such things? And now there obviously there is a number of, of reasons, but he traces it back to the line of thought of individual expressions of the self, that how society has embraced the individual expressions of self and in the search of authenticity to be a guiding rule for our society. Listen to what he says. The intuitive moral structure of our modern social imaginary prioritizes victimhood, sees selfhood in psychological terms, regards traditional sexual codes as oppressive and life-denying, and places a premium on the individual's right to define his or her own existence. All these things play into legitimatizing and strengthening those groups that can define themselves in such terms. They capture, one might say, the spirit of the age. See, see we have been said that it is absolutely fine for you to redefine yourself. That the expression, the individual expression of the self in search for authenticity is a good thing and all of society should encourage it, embrace it. Now, if you think about it, to look for authenticity of yourself is not entirely wrong. But can you see how just a small twist, and it's a mess of a society. This is how easily it is to, to go astray. And why so many churches have embraced it and and celebrating it. We ought to be on guard and find ourselves completely bound by the word of God. We cannot redefine ourselves. We don't have the authority. We are not the creators. We have been created. We don't place ourselves in the place of God and redefine ourselves and create ourselves the way that we want to be. God is God. He defines us. And so, watch closely to your doctrine. Examine everything according to the final authority of the word of God. There, there's not going to be a stop of new trends, new philosophies, new heresies coming up. Watch yourself. And it's amazing how, how, how Paul um, goes from that. And he says, now he's going to give you like, the reason you should stick to Christ My final point for your field with him. So he starts in verse nine. For so so don't don't be deceived. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Let me just stop there for a second. Now this is probably the most blatant statement statement in the New Testament saying Jesus. Is God? Jesus is God. But what is what is the implication of this statement? It's saying you should walk in Christ because He is God. He's above everything. God is supreme. He in Christ, you see the fullness of deity. He is supreme. God is supreme over every single authority, over every spirit. Jesus is God. I know that for you and I, this... Okay, Isaac, I know that. But um, just understand Paul's reasoning in, in the argument. He's is, is saying, well, don't follow that, because those are lesser things. That, that's human tradition. That's human philosophy. Follow Jesus, because He is God. the fullness of deity is in him the word he uses here in the greek appears only here and one of the commentators points out that theotis, the, the word refers to the essence and nature of the godhead not merely the divine perfections and attributes of divinity but christ as man was not merely godlike But was in the fullest sense God. But this is part of the amazing thing. What he goes on to say next is mind-blowing. And you have been filled in him. You have access to this God. You have been filled in Him. You know, the Bible says that the same very power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. The same power that raised... Can you imagine the amount of power it takes to raise Jesus Christ from the dead? That same amazing power is alive in you. We have, as believers, access to Christ's power and Christ's authority, not by our virtue, but by, our, by virtue of our unity with Him. You and I have access to this divine. Why would you settle for less? Spurgeon says... His omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, immutability, and infallibility are all combined for our defense. Arise, believer, and behold the Lord Jesus yoking the whole of his divine Godhead to the chariot of salvation. How vast his grace! How firm. His faithfulness, how unswerving His immutability, how infinite His power, how limitless His knowledge. All these are by the Lord Jesus made the pillars of the temple of salvation. And all, without diminution of their infinity, are covenanted to us as our perpetual inheritance. What a great inheritance. See, one of my favorite texts, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain both to life and godliness. How? How do we get this? Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. That as, as you and I know more of Christ, we are more equipped for life and godliness. All that you need for 2023 is found in the knowledge of Christ. The more you you spend time with him, the more you read his word, the more you pray. More equipped. That's what we need for life. Don't think that you can do it on your own. Go to Jesus Christ. Spend time with Him. Behold Him. And to end with a quote from Doug Wilson: he "Said God is a perfect Lord. He knows how to govern your circumstances." He knows how to bring you to the place he wants you. You are predestined to Christ's likeness. So if the name of Christ is on you, then be encouraged. If the name of Christ is on you, you are right on schedule. If the name of Christ is on you, God is doing what he wills with you. And you may as well go along quietly. Don't resist. So so this is really what I want to encourage you and me for this year of 2023, that we will fix our eyes upon Jesus as we have been seeing. That we will look to Christ for our growth. That when you're in doubt, go to Christ. When you sin, go to Christ. When you don't have nothing to do, go to Christ. Let us grow to Christ. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. With the same passion as you had before, when you met Him as then. So now, let us pray. Lord, we are truly thankful for Christ's amazing salvation to our souls. We don't deserve it. We couldn't do anything to earn it. Lord, forgive us if we have become self sufficient for our spiritual walk. Lord, please forgive us. Lord, would you help us to turn our eyes to Jesus Christ, to hold on to Christ as we received Him as as Lord, as as our great Savior, as Supreme over everything. Oh God, will you help us both individually and as a congregation, as a, a church, to look to Christ, to grow in Christ, restoring us, Lord, that passion, that first love you speak of in Revelation. The first love that we felt when we met Christ. Restore that passion, that desire, that zeal for Jesus Christ. Would you please help us with that? I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.